hotels and uh, and the motels and so um, which they do but I thought really you know out of my ignorance I thought that was the extent of what they did uh, but they do so much more and um, and I'm so thankful to be able to um, have them in um, we have with us um, uh, tonight the Hammonds uh, and uh, the Carvers uh, both with us uh, here uh, tonight and uh, we're going to be giving the service over uh, to uh, Brother uh, Carver is going to be speaking for us uh, and just giving us a, 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 an idea of what the Gideons do and, um, and then um, some, uh, just some, some blessings and victories and stories uh, where uh, the Gideons have been able to uh, be a blessing uh, and a help uh, throughout, uh, uh, throughout the years. And a uh, long time, long time organization. Everybody knows, knows the name, and, but not everybody knows exactly uh, what they do. So I'm very excited about hearing uh, this in some more detail uh, of what's going on uh, with uh, uh, the Gideons. It was great uh, morning uh, this morning. Uh, so thankful for that. Thankful for uh, Miss uh, Christine, and uh, she is uh, with us again tonight. And uh, her displays in the back. She has uh, a couple things back there. One is a um, uh, a prayer card. If you've not grabbed a prayer card, make sure that you grab a prayer card and uh, let her know that you're praying for some display things there from the Ivory Coast. And then um, I just saw this uh, back there. And uh, it is uh, how you can pray uh, for missionaries. And you can grab that if you want to, but I'm about to preach a message on that outline. It was that good. And uh, I am so excited uh, to develop that and um, just some great thoughts about how to pray for our missionaries. And um, we want to be more, more than just uh, 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 financially involved, we want to uh, we want to invest in, in our missionaries and um, uh, both physically and spiritually as well. And uh, it is our privilege to have a part uh, in their ministry, and um, certainly uh, a privilege uh, to be a part of what's going on there uh, in the Ivory Coast. So, if you if you've not had the opportunity uh, to uh, uh, talk. Uh, uh, with Miss Christine, she'll be glad to uh, answer any questions that you might have. Uh, great presentation this morning and um, gives us a little bit of an idea of what goes on there uh, in the Ivory Coast and in her ministry. And so we are uh, certainly uh, thankful for her and her ministry. Real quick, next week, make sure that you're here Wednesday night. Wednesday night over in the Fellowship Hall, our, our midweek service. Uh, we will be having uh, uh, one of the local ministries that we support, the Manor House. Many of you are familiar with the Manor House. Uh, we will be having uh, Miss Liz Quarterman uh, going to be coming. She's going to be uh, giving an update on the things that are going on there in the Manor House. Uh, they are, I mean, they are constantly uh, on the run, on the move. I mean, they are uh, a great ministry, great local ministry that helps uh, 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 our local community. And so uh, we're excited about that. They're going to be with us Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, uh, Sunday, next Sunday, all day, uh, we will be taking up our faith promise. Uh, so I hope you're praying about it now so that you're ready come Sunday to be able to take up uh, your, uh, our faith promise missions so that we can get established what we're going to do for 20. 
24 for missions. And so um, Dr. James and Miss Mary Ray are going to be with us in the services. Veteran, veteran missionaries. And uh, Brother Ray uh, was the president of BIMI for years and years, missionary in England, missionary different places. And he travels around now. He's just an absolute encouragement. If you've not ever uh, had the opportunity to meet him, you will, uh, you will love him and, uh, and his wife, Miss Mary. They're going to be with us uh, all day, morning and in the afternoon. And then in the evening, we're going to be, um, we're going to have uh, another local ministry uh, that we support, uh, the Savannah Care Center. They're going to be with us in the Sunday evening service and uh, giving us an update. Brother Ray's going to be preaching, but they're going to give us an update on what's going on. They just had their, uh, the gala uh, this last, uh, uh, Thursday and, um, or no, this coming Thursday, they're going to have their gala. And, uh, that's one of the big fundraisers. Uh, they're going to be gi- the, given an explanation on what's going on with, um, Savannah care center. So you don't want to miss that Sunday night. And then the following Wednesday, we'll wrap it up and, uh, we're going to have, uh, it's going to, this is going to be a time for you. Okay. So we're going to meet over in the fellowship hall and, uh, we're just going to, pass the mic around and share um, why I love missions. So I want you to think about that now. And um, you don't get as much time as I do. Okay. So just a short little testimony uh, about um, why you love missions, why you're a part of Faith Promise, and um, really want to encourage this year more people to get involved in Faith Promise missions so we can get the gospel uh, around the world for Jesus Christ. And then this is kind of an addition because uh, that kind of wrap up our missions. But the last Wednesday, uh, whatever Wednesday that is, the 20-something uh, uh, of, um, of February, um, Direct Line Ministries is going to be with us. Uh, Pastor Green uh, is, is now uh, representing uh, Direct Line Ministries. He's going to be here with us. They've got some new videos. They've got some things going on with the um, videos with the shoebox or the, the joy bags that we're a part of, uh, scripture that we're a part of. Um, very, very invested in Direct Line Ministries, and they're going to be here with us that last Wednesday, and uh, he's going to be preaching for us, giving us an update. Lots of stuff going on always in February with our missions, and so we're so excited uh, for that and uh, looking forward uh, to uh, the rest of uh, uh, the rest of this month. Okay, so now that was a lot, a lot of things, a lot of different things going on. So um, I told uh, Brother Carver uh, that they have uh, the service and, and uh, give us kind of a rundown of, of what going, goes on uh, with the Gideons, who the Gideons are, and what they do, and um, and then to share some testimonies and stories, uh, uh, however God uh, leads him uh, through that. And uh, we're so excited about having uh, the Gideons with us uh, uh, for the first time since I've been here. And so I'm, I'm excited uh, to have them with us in the services. Let's open up in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to ask uh, Brother Carver if he would uh, come uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for your love for us, Lord. You're a great God, and we're so thankful uh, for your blessings uh, that you do bestow upon us each and every day. Thank you for the good day that you've given us today. Thank you for uh, the part that this church uh, always has had in missions, and I pray that you give us a good year this year uh, as we endeavor uh, to get the gospel 
around the world uh, so that others might be saved, that others might be edified and encouraged, uh, that others might be built up, Lord. We depend upon you. We trust you to do that which we cannot do. We'll love you and thank you for all that you do for us. Again, thank you for the representatives uh, from the Gideons uh, tonight. I pray that you would be Brother Carver and give him uh, just uh, the words to say, uh, to be a help and to be an encouragement. And give us tonight open hearts and open ears to receive what you'd have for us. We'll love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brother Larry. evening, I should say. Well, I hope the rest of the afternoon doesn't go that bad. There it is. I hope I'm live now. Okay, let's get started. Jinja, Uganda, that's near Victoria Falls. There was four Gideons there to distribute Bibles up on a high ridge, way high, real high. And they were going there, and the only way they could get to where they was going was four-wheelers because the terrain was so rugged, very rugged. And they was going to this small village where there were six or eight hundred children that needed Bibles. So when they got there, to their dismay, they were 30 minutes late. And they said, oh, no. The terrain was more rugged than they thought. So the teachers came out to meet them, and when the teachers came out, they said, don't worry, we will get the children back. And there were four of the teachers, and the teachers said, we've been praying for you guys for three or four weeks because we need the Word of God, and that's the most important part we use in the little school. And so they, one of the teachers rang a big bell. It looked like something in Little House on the Prairie, one of those old churches like that. And within 30 minutes, just like the lady said, there they were, six or eight hundred children. Every one of those children lined up and joyfully and gratefully took a little New Testament, a Bible. In the back of that Bible, it's got all of the things that you need to know to read and understand how to repent of your sins and turn to Christ and receive or accept his gift of salvation. Okay, here's what happened. After the distribution, one of the Gideons said, could we have the privilege of going into the old school. It was so old. When they went in, it was kind of dark, but you could see, and there was about eight books in there. Guess what? All of them were Bibles. And in the back of a Gideon book, it's got all the plan of salvation. It goes from Romans 3.23, 6.23, Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10 and 13, and it goes to the Romans, everything about the Romans wrote, and it's in there very clear. And they had teachers that loved the Lord. And the guy opened, the, it was a thread, it's threadbare, a good word, I hope it is, but it was worn thin. And in the back of that Bible where is a line, all that scripture's there, and on the line where it says, all of our Bibles say this, this day I receive Christ. And there's a little girl's name there with the date of her receiving Christ. And as he looked, he started counting names. 25 children in number two pencil wrote and put the date of their salvation. And see, we know that God's word never goes out void. And he's a God of love. All of those children answered what it says in the back of that Bible. In the back of our Bible, Bible in the Gideon Bible, it has 
Revelation 3 and 20 where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in and sup with you and you with me. All of those children receive Christ. Their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let me tell you another story. I told somebody I was going to tell a military story, and here it is. Corporal Turner was raised in Kansas in the wheat fields of Kansas. He had never been to the ocean. This is an old story, but it's a good one. He'd never seen the ocean anywhere. He may have got to the Great Lakes, Dan, I don't know. But, finally, but he got drafted, and after boot camp, he shipped overseas on a troop ship in the 124th Infantry, landed in Seoul, Korea. Within 30 days, there he was. And at the bottom of the, where they debarked, there was, a, there was not a Gideon, but a chaplain handing out Bibles. All of the men took them and put them in their pocket. Three weeks later, Corporal Turner was killed. And when they got to his body, Regamorgus had already set in. He was laying in, on his back in a small, shallow stream where he was shot. And in his hand, he had the little testament. It was real cold weather too. Open to John 14, 1 through 3. His finger was on it. And that's what it's, Jesus told his disciples that. He told us that. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I'd have told you so. And this is the good part. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back to take you to be where I am. Wow, God's good. And you know something? In John 5, 24, I love this because I tell Janine to think about this a lot. Jesus said this himself. He said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, or most assuredly, whatever you look, he says, most truly, truly, I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. And this is what I like. As passed from death into life. Faster than the speed of light, he was in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ after his last breath. That's the power of God. That's the message that we have. Now, you may be wondering a little bit, Joe was, Brother Joe was. Thank you, Brother Joe. Who we are? Some of y'all don't know. Well, first of all, we are members of a local church. Number two, we are Christians. We believe in every single dot and cross T of the word of God. And we also believe in the stories that Jesus tells. He tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, okay? We know where the rich man's at. All of you do because you've, you've studied the word of God. Lazarus is with Jesus. And so what we want to do, our desire, is to make sure every man and every woman gets a chance to read the word of God, either through our testimony or someone else's, and gets to be with Christ in heaven. So... As Gideons, I haven't met a Gideon yet that doesn't have a passion to share the word of God, the word of salvation, in the traffic lanes of life. And there's a lot of life out there, and there's a lot of traffic lines, lanes. So that's what we are. Now, one of the things that we do, you're right about this, brother. We do place Bibles in hotels and motels. We also give them to military people. We give them to firemen, policemen, a lot of people. Who? Nurses, y'all do that. All right, we do that. But here's, here's what, 
I got a helper group, and I'm glad. Anyhow, we also place Bibles and have Bible studies in the Effingham County Jail. Praise God, there's an open field for us over there. And men are beginning to receive, and women receive Christ. The other thing that's so important about what we do, the men, you know, you see a good man, there's a good woman behind him somewhere. So we have an auxiliary. And here's what they do besides keep us in line, encourage us, pray for us. They place Bibles in nursing homes. They place them in hospitals. And they place them in doctor's offices. That's important. The word of God is out there. Now, here's where we are. Gideons are bigger than I can imagine. We have Gideon camps in over 199 countries. We have the Bible translated into 109 translations for the different groups. About three years ago, we translated, the last one we translated went to a part of, of India. Small group of people. And so God's at work. That's who we are. And uh, anyhow, a lot to be thinking about. We do believe with all of our heart that Je what Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and nobody goes to the Father except me. That's what we believe, and that's what we preach, and that's, what we, and that's how we live. Uh, let me tell you another story. This is one of my favorites. Since my little boy, it was raised on a farm in Mississippi. Some of you older guys can remember doing farm work. This little boy was in a bad situation because he was under the rule of an alcoholic stepfather who hated him because he looked like his real daddy. He had a little sister, and he had a mother. And every morning when he had to get up ahead of ahead of the sunlight, up early in the morning, and go in the fields and work or work in the barn. Go to school, come back. When he got back home, had to go back in the fields and work. He had to do this to pay for his food and pay for his school. When the little boy got in the seventh grade, he decided, and he was, you can imagine being raised that way. He said, I think the best thing I can do is run away. So he fixed him a little pack, put it on his back. I, I'm assuming he may have had a suitcase. And he hopped a train. He was a hobo. He hoboed from Fairhaven, Mississippi, out to Fort Worth, Texas. When he got there, hungry, he was dirty, he was broke. So he made his way to the Greyhound Station. He got something to eat somehow. And he was looking for a job. So a man on a big motorcycle put him on the back of the motorcycle and said, I know where you can get a job. He took him out to a chicken farm and an overall farm. And there he was by himself. I don't know if any of y'all remember what an old steel Mattress was, or inner springs below the mattress, steel. That's what he slept on. He had two old dirty blankets. You can imagine how this little boy felt. He was without his mother, who he loved, and without his little sister. And because of Satan and because of evil people, he became bitter. He became angry. He started getting himself mentally in trouble. But one night, after he had just, and there was sometimes when the weather was bad, he had to leave that steel inner spring and go into the barn and sleep in the chicken cook with the chickens to stay dry and stay cool. You can imagine how bad it was on it. One night he pulled out, out of his thing, he had forgot it was there. He pulled out a little testament about this big and about this long. Gideon had given to his sister in the fifth grade. And he had never opened it before. He began to read it. And when he got to John 1, 12, where it said, As many as received him to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. You know what? He began to feel a love from a male figure named God, Jesus Christ, that he'd never felt before in his life. And he began to read, and he began to read, and he began to read. And he finally, that bitterness, that anger, everything that he had been, had been dwelled up in him began to leave.
And one night, he got to the back of the page, and before he got there, he read it too. But one night, he read everything in the back. Then he said, God, if you'll take care of me, I'll serve you. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. Now, I don't know exactly how old he was at that time, but that's what happened. And one of the things that you can know about him, God always keeps his promises, okay? One of his favorite scriptures is this. I'm going to read this. It says, Brethren, do not count, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those bad things that went to pass, I press forward to the things which are my goal is for the prize of the upward call of God. Now, I didn't get that out exactly right, but you can understand it. Now this man is married. He's happy. He's got two children. He lives in Alabama. Guess what? He's a Gideon, Dan. Serving the Lord. God's word is very, very powerful. Now, one of the things that this happened with, that happened with him because of God's love and how it changed his life. You all know how God changes your heart and your life and your attitude and everything. Now he can honestly say where it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 20, 2 and 20. Now first, I mean Corinthians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That little mean boy that he had become was gone. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There you go again, the power of God's Holy Spirit, the power of God's Word. So, now, got another one. Wow. This is a good one. This happened here in this county. Chesapeake, Virginia. Two young men on, living in Chesapeake, drugs on drugs, alcohol, agnostic. Got in their car, went west, I-95. Went all the way through Virginia, down 95, crossed both Carolinas crossed the Savannah River. When they got to the Rankin exit, came into Effingham County. When they got here, they were still on drugs and alcohol. They broke into three churches. They desecrated them, did different things, bad things that we would hate. Countryside Baptist Church, they did $110,000 worth of damage. Two boys, two young men. They were quickly apprehended and incarcerated into the Effingham County Jail. Guess what? The best thing that ever happened to them. When they got there, they were exposed to the Word of God. We have a blue jail Bible. It comes from the hotels. When they get bad, we put new covers on them. They go to jail, and it's got everything you need to know to know Christ. While they were there, they were exposed to other jailmates that were Christians that had just messed up and were there. And it, they were exposed also to the Word of God. They were also exposed to people that had received Christ, and turned away from their sins while in jail. Now, here's the good news. Some of y'all may know this name, the late Robert Porterfield. He was a Gideon. You know him. Great guy. He was the principal at the middle school, junior high. I'll call it junior high. He had Lou Gehrig's disease. And I remember him coming to the, he was faithful as he could be. He'd come in, and he was very healthy. He'd be dragging his, I don't know what's wrong with my leg. Doctors don't know what's wrong with my leg. So finally he continued, but he never dropped out. When he got on a walker, he was still coming to jail. He'd have to hold the door open to get him in the, in the cell. That's the kind of guy he was. But while he was there, one of these boys named Kyle came forward among all the others. Usually we'll have anywhere from 10 to 25 
people that come out to the Bible studies. This young man came out and asked God to forgive him of his sins and came in front of his peers and confessed Jesus. He was not ashamed of him. Here's what Rob told him. He said, now Kyle, here's what you need to do. You need to write a letter to someone and tell them what God has done for you. Okay? Guess what? He did. He wrote his daddy back in Chesapeake. His daddy got the letter. His grandparents read the letter. Guess what? A week or two later, they came to Effingham to visit him. Here's the good news, the real good news. They went to Countryside Baptist Church. The grandparents apologized to the church in the morning service, not at night, but when the full crowd was there. Here's another part of the good news because of God's mercy. The daddy of Kyle went forward in front of that church and asked Christ to forgive him of his sins and receive Christ right there at Countryside Baptist Church. And it doesn't end there. That night, he came back and got baptized. The other young man also, two or three weeks later, got saved in the jail ministry. Both of these young men, their name is written on the Lamb's Book of Life, and Jesus has paid their price, but they still are paying their price to society because of what happened. But that's the power of God's Word. Now, you know, one of the things that we like to use a lot, and it's very true to any Christian, and God, Isaiah said, Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please. And here's the good news, shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Once we receive Christ, he's still working with us. And he'll work with us until we're gone. And he is powerful. Anyhow, uh, wow. This is another one. Anybody here ever been to Philadelphia? Don't raise your hand, but anyhow, it's okay. Uh, Philadelphia is a city of love. But Leroy Kennedy lived in a part of Philadelphia that was not a city of love. His neighborhood was full of drugs, alcohol, prostitution, anything you can imagine is bad. His mother was alcoholic. His daddy was alcoholic. His older sister was suicidal. He had a little brother that had a crippling, deadly disease. And because of this, it made him bitter, made him hard. And then at age 13, he witnessed the murder of his own daddy. He did have an aunt that come, would come by and try to take him to church. Every time she took him to church, after about three or four times, the church said, don't bring him back. But every time he went, he was stealing out the offering plate. He was rejected from the military. By the time he tried to join the military, but he was rejected because he was unfit. He was unfit because he had never been exposed to anything but evil. And Satan had controlled that community. And then, by the time he was 30, he was into his third marriage. And I don't know how, the story didn't tell how this happened, but his wife, because somebody cared enough about her to tell her about Jesus, she received Christ. And so she began a Bible study in their home. Leroy hated that Bible study. He hated those Christians that came. So what he did to counter that, to get them out of his home, was he brought winos and prostitutes and street people to the thing to shut it down and after about two weeks his wife decided I might as well leave so she went back home to Indiana within two or three weeks nothing had changed with Leroy he was still doing all the vices all the bad things that a lost person can do and so one time in his life somebody had told him some man told him you know what Leroy 
You aren't, you're not good for anything. You won't never amount to anything. And he contemplated that. And then he decided his wife was gone. He was by himself. I'm going to end it. I'm just going to commit suicide. There's no sense in me living any longer. So the next day he got up. He went to a park. He didn't want to do it at home. He walked to a park and he got on one of those old cold concrete tables with a concrete seat. And he was sitting there thinking, how am I going to do this? About the time he was there, about 15, 10, 12 minutes, a car drove up. Four men got out. You know what they was doing? Distributing Bibles. They were giving them to all the homeless people there. One of the Gideons walked up to him and asked him, do you love Jesus? And he said, no, and I don't, Leroy said, no, and I don't want to have anything to do with him. And he got up abruptly, and when he got up, all the Bibles that Gideon had, he knocked them on the ground. Here's what happened next. And that's out of characteristic for him to do that, because he was a rough character. He reached down, and the first Bible he picked up, it was already open. And you know what it said? It was in Isaiah 118. This is what God told the Hebrew people, and he tells us, and he tells a lost person. He said, now... Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be what? like wool. And you know what Leroy said? Leroy said, right then and there, God did surgery on my heart. That Gideon sat down and talked to him and showed his, the love of God to him and explained the Bible to him and things. And he got on his knees and received Christ right then. God is a God of miracles. Within two weeks, he was reunited with his wife in the house, in the part of Philadelphia that he lives in, especially his house, is not an evil place anymore because he and his wife are children of the king. and They act like children of the king. God is so very powerful. Now, my time. I'm okay? <laughs> Joe trying to be right okay this is this one here will break your heart okay this is all these true stories and I'm just giving you some there's thousands and thousands of stories that we get like this the doctor said someone is hurting your little girl and it has to stop and the little girl was five years old her name was Joyce and she was wondering wondering what this could mean but nothing happened. Her mother carried her home to a tobacco farm before in South Georgia. I hate to admit it, it's Georgia. To a house in South Georgia where she ran a tobacco farm. Had four or five siblings in that little house. And she still had the alcoholic, abusive daddy. And nothing stopped. Her mother didn't get it stopped. That's hard to believe from my mother's standpoint. But she didn't. Because of that, she developed chronic bedwetting and when she would get up to go to school her mother wouldn't let her take a bath before she went she would take a curtain rod and give her spankings before she went when she got to school and especially in south georgia when the heat gets hot things ripen and everything and one day the teacher took her out outside the room and got her by the shoulders i hope there's not a teacher in here because i know none of y'all would do this and she shook her and she said you cannot come back in school until you go home and take a bath. And Joyce said, if you don't, you're going to have to sit in the corner every day. Joyce said the rest of that year, she sat in the corner. You can imagine what was happening to her. She was isolated 
She was lonely, and she was confused. She was definitely confused. Then something good happened. Sometime during that year, they had chapel, and a man came in and was giving them Bibles. And when she got it to take hers, there was a big Bible on the table. She said, can I have the big one? He said, sure, honey, you take the big one. She took it home at night. She got under the covers every night and with her flashlight, and she read the Bible, and she read the Bible, and she read the Bible, and she read the Bible. But she was trying to find love, and the only place she could find love is with the Word of God. And God was speaking to her heart. So, when she prayed, when she got to John 3.16, she knew something was different. When she read John 1.12, she said, that's a real family. I can be part of the family of God. And then she finally, she said, God, I surrender to you. And she made a deal with God. And she said, God, if you will send somebody to love me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Because everybody who's ever loved me in the past has only hurt me. Precious little girl. And she prayed that prayer for seven years. Sometimes under the cover, but she stayed with God. She said, God, if you'll help me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. One of the things that she read in there, and I'm going to try to paraphrase it a little bit, is whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, whatever thing is so on and so on and so on. You, you hang on to that and you trust that. Guess what? After seven years of this prayer and talking to God, surrendering to him, her church got a new pastor. Guess what? Within three months, got on his knees, pulled out a ring and said, will you marry me? If you marry me, I'll love you and I'll take care of you all the days of your life. And of course she did. God answered a prayer. It wasn't long after that that he got transferred with his church to Atlanta. There she started working with a court reporting company that reported homeless people, people that needed help and everything else, children. And so after a little while, they moved to Indiana. We moved to Indiana. And when she was there, she started her own company. She ended up with the same pastor. She had two girls, six grandchildren. She's the author. She's written two or three books about things like this. She's got her own court reporting thing to help people that are abused. And she's got a radio station that she speaks on all the time and a TV station locally. I'm going to tell you, God's good. God answered her prayer. That's who she was. Now, this is our goal is Gideon's, okay? We have a goal, just like your church has a goal. Goals are great that you can obtain. And here's what we, first of all, we, I'm going to say it again. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so our goal this is a lofty goal, but we believe we can, we, we want to do this because it's part of the Great Commission. Our goal is that every man, every woman, every little boy and every little girl can come to know Christ before it's too late. We don't want nobody with a rich man in hell. We want everybody, and there's a lot of people that we can reach. Now, you may be wondering what you can do to help. The most important thing that we would beg you to do, and Dan would too, is pray for the Gideon camp here that we would stay 100% in the center of his light and walk in his light and do what he would have us to do. Pray for our jail ministry. The, the field there is open. 
open, open to the gospel. People are hanging on the thread of the last knot of their, of their and they will pay attention to you. And I'm going to tell you, when somebody will come forward in front of a group of jailbirds, I'll use that tender name for them, and say, I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed of it. That's real. That's real. So that's what we are. That's what we want to do. Now, if you want to help, you can. That's up to you. It's up to what God tells you to do. This, this can assure, if you want to help, that a little boy, a little girl that lives in some far-flung corner of the globe, that lives on the street that none of us will ever be able to walk, can open God's Word and read John 3.16 and come to know the Lord. Now, first of all, I want to thank your dear pastor. I've come to love him with one conversation and another conversation tonight. He's a man of God. Thank you, pastor. I want to thank you for letting me do this. Church, I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank you guys for your ministry here in this county. It's felt and throughout the world. And to your missionary, I've learned to love her as a person. I'm going to be praying for her. That's it, Pastor. Thank you, church. Thank you very much. So I just wanted you to just get a glimpse if you weren't already familiar um, or if you were like me and thought you were familiar um, with uh, the Gideons and uh, the great work uh, that they do um, uh, throughout our county, but then all over the place and getting Bibles uh, uh, into the hands of those that need them. And um, I, I believe I'm right when I say this. Um, Five, only five dollars for a Bible to um, to get a Bible into somebody's hands, and uh, what a difference! Uh, what a difference that can make uh, in somebody's life. And uh, uh, thank you, Brother Carver, for the, for the stories and uh, for just the the knowledge of who the Gideons are and uh, how we can pray for them and uh, pray for their ministries and uh, lots. Uh, uh, lots of Gideons uh, around uh, around the world, and uh, we're thankful to um, be able to have them uh, with us in uh, the services uh, tonight. And um, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have a word of prayer, but I'm gonna have um, uh, uh, Miss uh, Christine, if you'll go back to your table, and then I'm gonna have um, the Hollands go on one side. And the carvers go on the other side. And so if you have any questions, um, they will be more than happy to answer any of those questions that you might have uh, for them specifically. Uh, some of you know who they are personally already. And, um, and uh, so um, it, they'll, they'll be glad to spend a few minutes with you. And um, again, we appreciate them being with us uh, in the services uh, this evening. Uh, don't forget this Wednesday, this Wednesday evening, we will be having our, um, uh, our services over in the fellowship hall and the Manor House will be with us and giving testimony and updates on what's going on there in the ministry of the Manor House. So don't, um, don't miss out on that. And uh, we're going to have a great time, uh, a great time together, uh, a great time together with that. And, um, and then uh, again, um, be praying. I mean, what, what can I do, right? So here's, here's what we can do. All of us can do. Uh, number one, and, and, and Brother Larry shared this, is that we can pray. We can pray for these missionaries that are here at home and missionaries that are abroad. I mean, um, I don't know if you 
if if you ever do this, but sometimes you're you're laying you know laying down trying to go to sleep and can't go to sleep, and and you kind of look it up at the ceiling and uh, you know can I can I help you out with something? Counting sheep doesn't work. I don't know who come up with that counting sheep, uh, but I can count pretty high, and I've never fallen asleep counting them sheep. And so uh, it would be a it would be a a wonderful thing to be able to pray, take that time, and say, hey, you know who who's God laying on my heart? How can I pray for? whoever and um, we've got quite a few missionaries that we have here we got quite a few organizations uh, that we can pray for and then giving you know that's a that's a that's an important aspect of, uh, of what we do um, here uh, at Rinka Baptist Temple missions is monumentally important uh, to, to our church and it always has been uh, as long as this church has been around and uh, missions has been uh, very important we've got missionaries Goodness gracious, we've got missionaries that we've been supporting for for as long as I've been alive, and uh, they've been just doing great work uh, around the world, and um, uh, it is a privilege to be able to uh, see them uh, winning people to Christ, see, see them uh, building churches and counseling and helping and being a blessing uh, to other people, and uh, what a privilege it is to have a part in that, not only through prayer, but through our giving. So when we take up our faith promise, uh, this is something, if you're not familiar with faith promise, I know ch different churches do it different ways. Um, we've chosen many years ago to do it through faith promise missions at our church, and um, it, it's a way that you can have a part. Not a way where you can take your tithe and use some of your tithe and use some of your, no, this is above and beyond our tithe. And this is saying, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious about missions. I'm serious about, and pick a place, right? Uh, pick a place that, um, you know, the Lord may lay, uh, um, lay on your heart to, uh, to be able to, uh, to pray specifically for. I know, I don't, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I know every time we have a missionary in, um, I feel a burden for a new place. Every time somebody shares something about uh, a different place, um, uh, I, 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 I feel a new burden for that place. And, um, you know, uh, Christine was talking about, uh, you know, the Sahara Desert just being the north of them. And um, uh, uh, one of my teachers, one of my professors in school, uh, 30, over 30 years, he was a missionary in the Sahara Desert. And uh, he felt like, uh, you, you'd love this, he felt like it was God's will for everybody to go to the Sahara Desert to start a church. And uh, some, you know, one of the kids would say, well, well, what if it isn't God's will for us to go there? And he says, well, God will forgive you. And so he, uh, he I mean, it was just his burden. It was desire. And so when a letter's read, when Brother Danny will read a letter about uh, one of our missionaries or a missionary comes in and the Lord lays it on your heart, pray, pray for that missionary. But then give. Give. So that that missionary can be sustained, so that missionary can, you know, build churches and encourage and, in, in Christine's uh, case, uh, uh, be able to, um, you know, help with with the, the physical as well, with medical uh, as well, uh, with her being a nurse. And so uh, a lot involved in that. Uh, how are they, how are they going to hear unless somebody's sent? And uh, who's going to send them? God is called. The local New Testament church to be the sender and to send them into all the world and preach the gospel 
you right here and send other people under the uttermost parts of the earth. So what a privilege it is to be able to have a, uh, be able to be have a, a part in that. And um, we'll be taking up next week, Faith Promise Missions. So don't miss out on that. And, um, and, and be ready. Okay, so when the cards go out, be ready to fill them out because you've already prayed and uh, we'll be established what we're going to do or what we want to do uh, for uh, Faith Promise Missions. Okay, just before I close, uh, uh, Hollins Carvers, if you guys got to go back there into the foyer and uh, as you leave, if you need to, if you need to ask them a question or if you just want to let them know you're praying for them, uh, they'll be glad to answer uh, any of those questions for you. Uh, Christine is also uh, back there as well. And uh, if you'd like to ask her any questions, uh, make sure that you get back there and, uh, and ask uh, any of those questions uh, that you need to ask her. Right before I pray, Brother Larry, you got something real quick? I didn't come up here to say this, but I'm going to say it uh, before I say what I came up to say. But I go back with Brother Larry a number of years. I went to school with his wife, graduated with his twin sisters, worked with his brother for 41 years. So got some ties with the Carver family. What I did come up to say is... <clears throat> We all have battles. We face battles. We have a, believe it or not, this day and time, it's a battle to get from point A to point B. We have uh, spiritual battles. We have financial battles. We have decision battles. But we have health battles. We got a number of people in this church They've gone from battles to war. They're in war. And our pastor's one of them. Sister Betty's one of them. Joellen is one. There's others. Bernie Richter. She's in a she's in a minute battle every minute of the day with Lyme disease. These face these people are facing war. And prayer's been mentioned here tonight numerous times. So what I want to do tonight. Let's have an altar call for these people. And if you know of any more that's on your heart, lift them up. But these people that I mentioned tonight, and, and if I forgot somebody, please forgive me. I know Don's got a, Don Tompkins, he's got a, that man's got some kind of testimony. He went through a, a major war, and he'll tell you him and 
Rachel both, I tell you, prayer got them out of it. The Lord lifted it. So if you would, if you feel led to come down, come down and we'll have an altar of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Guy if he would pray. I'm going to ask Brother Dwayne if he would pray. And I'll close.
Thank you. 